Welcome to Welcome to Acnic Commentary and today we where we use our perspective on talking about random episodes that we created in the home of anchor.fm All right so The following podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Stay till to the end. Find more about it. This may be hard to remember in 2020, but there was once a time in the internet for the short form animation reigns supreme today. The animation genre on YouTube is mostly dominated by storytime channels, but back in the day, animators on flash sites dominated the markets, and during this golden age, no name stood taller than Homestar Runner. At the time, one of the most iconic names on the entire internet, though this series and its cast of characters were insanely popular on World Wide Web 15 years ago. If you ask a kid nowadays who Coach Z or Pom Pom are, they almost certainly have no idea what you're talking about. Which makes me wonder what happened to this once adored show to fade out of our collective consciousness. Well, to find out that out, we first have to go back a few decades. The concept for Homestar Runner was first created in 1996 by Mike Chapman and Craig Zobel while they were students enrolled in the University of Georgia. As the story goes, one day the two were browsing through a local bookstore when they stumbled upon the children's book section. As they looked through the books for sale, they quickly became annoyed by how simple and dumb the stories were, inspiring them to take matters into their own hands and make their own children's book. They returned home and in a mere day had created a finished story debuting now iconic characters such as Strong Bad, Bubs, The Cheat, and of course Homestar Runner himself. Mike and Craig never intended Homestar Runner to be anything more than a fun project to knock out in a day. That's not to say they didn't take pride in their work though, as the two quickly went on and printed about 10 copies which they distributed amongst their family and friends. However, it seems that Mike's father had other plans. As the unknown to the writers sent the book off to 80 different publishers in an attempt to sell it, despite how many publishers saw the manuscript. Each and every one of them turned it down. This obviously wasn't the end for Homestar Runner though. They just needed a proper medium for it. As years went on and Mike and his brother Matt began to get interested in animation, they had previously experimented with it in the game Mario Paint. But things really took off with the rise of Flash animation in the late 90s. Flash was nothing short of a game changer. The medium of animation, giving people of all walks of life the means to create their own cartoons, and the file sizes were small enough that they could be seen by people with slow internets, a major hurdle at a time. In 2000, the brothers finally began releasing these cartoons on their own private website, appropriately named Homestar Runner. This was at the time when they were still, we were still half a decade away from YouTube being a thing. So to say we were pioneers of online videos is an understatement. These early cartoons were very simply made with Mike doing the bulk of the animation and Matt as well as Mike's girlfriend Missy providing voices. In the beginning, the stories mainly focused on Homestar Runner competing with his siblings, Strong Bad, in various competitions. However, the brothers quickly got bored with this format, choosing instead to focus more on the day-to-day lives of their characters the various misadventures they would get themselves into, and at first Homestar Runner's growth was slow until August of 2001 when they introduced a new series known as Strong Bad Emails. These cartoons featured Strong Bad reading emails from fans and answering their questions with humorously terrible advice. 
a concept no one had ever seen before. These weekly cartoons blew up across the internet, and at its height, the website managed to reach over 7 million views a month, and that and a time people couldn't even comprehend an online cartoon having such a great wide reach without the doubt the most popular video from the site strong bad emails episode 58 which was posted in january of 2003 this episode titled dragon featured strong bad drawing a dragon which he named trogdor the burdenator trogdor along with his accompanied song caught on like wildfire quickly achieved meme status with it even appearing in guitar hero 2 this stood out amongst the rest of the one Homestar Runner's greatest achievements, and as it popularly grew, Homestar Runner began to see its fair share of mainstream attention. She was like Mystery Science Theater 3000, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer began adding references to the cartoon, but perhaps the biggest crossover for them came in 2004, when they got a chance to work with the band They Might Be Giants. Mike and Matt received a demo tape from the band which they were able to make into an exclusive video. There is no doubt that the show set was in mid-2000s. And in addition to their animated shirt, Chapman Brothers were also interested in branching Homestar Runner out onto different mediums. This started small with simple browser games, including a soundboard and a few parody Atari classics. However, as their ambitions grew, they decided to take their efforts into the next level. In 2008, Mike and Matt announced Strongbed's cool game for attractive people. This was a point-and-click adventure game developed by the now-defunct Telltale Games. The game was released in segments with a total of five episodes being published over the course of the year. At the time, both Telltale and Homestar Runner were widely beloved studios publishers, so each episode gained high praise for both critics and audiences for a while. It seemed like Mike and Matt had a chance of making Homestar Runner and Strong Bad household names. Next, SpongeBob and Scooby-Doo, if you will, with YouTube being a potentially great place to expand their audience. On top of this, there were rumblings of a full-edged TV show but soon turned out that from this point onward, things would be slowing down. In 2009, the Chapman brothers decided that they needed a break, and not only did they now both have their own families, but after nearly a decade of making cartoons on a weekly basis, they were beginning to feel burnt out. They assured their audience that this would not be the end of Homestar Runner, but they did not know when they would return. Thanks to their online success, both brothers were able to easily get jobs in the animation industry, working on incredibly popular shows like Yo Gabba Gabba, Wander Over Yonder, and Gravity Falls for Disney. Over this hiatus, Mike and Matt still continued to make the occasional Homestar Runner cartoon on an extremely infrequent basis. But every time you'd go back to their website, you'd notice more and more often just how dated the flesh layout had become as it still operated like we were in 2000. This semi-hiatus lasted until 2014 when the brothers moved back to Georgia and announced that they were now able to continue work on Homestar Runner, just not as consistently as they used to the reason that this is planned on doing some other side projects, as well as nowadays most of their uploads tend to be holiday specials. Perhaps the biggest update from Homestar Runner came on July 2018, when the Chapman brothers launched a Kickstarter for Trogdor the board game. By the end of the campaign in August, they had acquired over a million dollars in backing providing, and despite having been gone for several years, Fans love for Homestar Runner and not died down. I would assume that nowadays they have a small but loyal audience made up of mostly old school fans from Flash Animation's Golden Age. While people like to point out them stepping away from the site in 2009 as an exclamation for the fall of Homestar Runner. Looking back now on Google Trends, <laughs> um, it appears that by that point in time the series was already well past its heyday, so it happened quick. 
that's the cause of the fall of the show. What was well, my guess would be YouTube. Let me explain. As Google tends and shows its home star runner was on a decline after 2004, and I believe this is because of the rise of YouTube in 2005, which changed the way people consumed online video. While there's no doubt the Chapman brothers were very good at making creative flash videos and were ahead of their time in many regards, when video streaming sites came along, they weren't quick to capitalize on this next evolution in the industry. Instead of opting to continue uploading on their novel, but dated vice websites, instead of as YouTube became the standard watching videos on the internet, a new generation of content creators soon would eclipse the once kings of the industry. It wasn't until 2009 when they stopped making new content that they finally uploaded their back catalog onto YouTube. But without an understanding of the platform, they never gained any traction. What worked in the year 2000 on the Flash website didn't translate to the high-stakes world of YouTube content creators, where everyone was trying to figure out the best thumbnail-slash-title combos to optimize the click-through rates. Their videos often would have boring, repetitive thumbnails and uninteresting titles that didn't allow them to grow if in 2005 they adopted this new platform. I think there's a chance that younger people would still know about Strong Bad to this very day. And it's a shame they didn't because looking back now, their content still holds up, their writing's clever, the humor's charming, and the characters memorable. But they missed their chance to grow along with the online video industry. Not to be fair, maybe that was in their best interest. They went on to work on some beloved shows and hope now with some money saved up they can work on some smaller projects without being a slave to the algorithm like the rest of us. Still looking back, it's a shame that this is a website many has forgotten about, and I strongly recommend checking out the back catalog if you aren't acquainted with Strong Bad and Friends. In conclusion, the story of Homestar Runner is an early but classic example of internet fame, starting simply with the pair of brothers making cartoons. In their spare time, they ended up creating a beloved sample staple of the online world, as well as leading the online animation boom of the 2000s. You know, the 2000s. Of the 2000s. Well, just in time. Okay, bye. Right. Hey guys, you know, today I'm going to talk about something that is very near and dear to my heart. The subject of Blu-ray versus DVD. And you know what, There, there's no discussion here, alright? DVDs are clearly... The superior format, I mean, Blu-rays, are just a rip-off. I mean, they're no better than DVDs. And in fact, in a lot of ways, they're worse. And today, I let talk about exactly why... About exactly why DVD is better than Blu-ray. Better selection. Alright, the first reason that DVDs are ultimately superior to Blu-rays, and just better in every possible way, is that you can get these older movies. There's so many more movies on DVD than there are Blu-ray, right? So you get all these older babies, like, like you can't get on Blu-ray, like, you can't get this one, you can't get, I mean, these are fantastic, great film noir movies, you can just can't get on Blu-ray. 
So, Mick, why would you even need Blu-ray if you've got more options on DVD? I mean, they don't even put open movies on Blu-ray. I mean, look at this. All they put on Blu-ray are, like, stuff like this. I mean, like, why would you... No, 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 no. All these newer titles. Whatever. You know, uh, I don't care about the new stuff. I'm a film aficionado. I'm a... I'm a film and I'm a cinephile and what I want to see are the classics. So of course, to get the classics, you gotta go DVD. Round two. More discs. Now the second reason that DVDs are alternately superiors of Blu-rays is that if you were to put like a television set on Blu-ray, you'd probably be able to fit like an entire series of several seasons on one disc. And who the heck just wants one disc on their shelf to represent an entire series of a show who wants to have that level of access to a show? without having to, you know, put in several discs in order to experience the whole thing. I mean, you should have to go from when you're done with one season, why not make it so that, you you know, you put an entirely new disc for the next season. It, it gives you that, that feeling of having accomplished the other season. So, of course, that's why DVD is a superior option, so as you can see, online seasons on a 27 discs. See, you're getting more discs, which means more bang for your buck. DVDs, again, superior to Blu-ray in every way possible. Round three, full screen. Now let's talk about one of my favorite reasons that DVD is just undeniably better than Blu-ray. And that is just the fact that you can find so many DVDs that are specifically formatted for uh, for, you know, 4 by 3 screens for a traditional full screen. And it's always nice when you run into something and you always and you buy it. You're always thinking, man, this is going to be great. And then you discover it's actually in full screen or not in widescreen. So many DVDs are so, you know, like, yes, I got a full screen. Yes, baby. Yeah. And, you know, one of those cases right there, that would be a million to one. It means it's hard to find now nowadays. I mean, it's one up. A full screen and this one here it's not full screen but it's formatted to full for to fit your screen well that means that if you're trying to actually watch it on like you know newer whatever HD TV or whatever if that's your thing if you try to watch it on those, those screens it'll show up in a box kind of like punishing you for watching it in a format it wasn't intended to be seen in so yeah I mean, I really wish that they would start making more full-screen DVDs because it's really upsetting that I have to, like, if I'm watching it on a newer TV, I have to watch it in a box. I mean, it's not fair for, to me. I mean, I bought all these in full-screen because that's the new way they're intended to be watched. And now I have to deal with this besides bars on sides. 
I mean, it's not fair. It's just, it's just not right, and it's all thanks to technology, like Blu-ray. Round four, better, better, better prices. Now, another reason that DVD is clearly superior to Blu-ray is, is that DVDs are typically cheaper than Blu-rays. I mean, when's the last time you saw a Blu-ray at a dollar store? I mean, they've never sold rays at a dollar store. And Blu-rays, usually they don't go on sale for less than 20 or $30. I mean, for crying out loud, they've been out for nine or how many years now? And we... We still don't have, like, decent prices at the same level. It's, like, the kind of prices we can expect for expect for DVDs. I mean, come on! Why can't they price these correctly? Like, like I, I mean, Blu-rays aren't even as good as DVDs, and yet somehow they cost more than DVDs. I mean, for crying out loud, it's just... <sighs> Round five. Round 5, DNR. The next reason that DVDs are superior to Blu-rays is that they utilize an awesome technology known as digital noise reduction. So all that, that ugly noise, the scratches, and the, um, the fuzzy grain that ruins the integrity of a movie that you're watching, yeah, you don't get that on DVDs because all DVDs across the board have like have like an incredible amount of DNR on them. This one is an example of that tons of DNR all over this print. So it looks perfect. It looks pristine. It looks like these people were, you know, were just on the silver screen a few years ago. Not just, you know... Many, many years ago, 1950 years, when it came up. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it came out a few years ago, not 1950. Thanks to DNR. I mean, I'm telling you, DNR, it gets the shaft because it is seriously one of the greatest technological advantages of our time. And you can expect DNR from pretty much every DVD out there. So, of course, DVDs, again, superior and while we're on the subject of DNR and digital noise reduction, Blu-rays do not have DNR. Well, some of them do, but and you know it's nice to see stuff like the Ultimate Predator, Predator Hunter edition, like that. That is an amazing Blu-ray, and I mean, I don't know why people don't like it, because it's exactly what you should be expecting from a high-quality Blu-ray. But there's no need to buy that one anyways, because you can always buy the DVD, and the DVD is only going to be better than that. And why? Round 6. Upscaling. Because you can upscale DVDs, you can put your DVD into an upscale DVD player, or into a Blu-ray player, and it will upscale the DVD to 1080p, so... If you're really just a stickler about having the 1080p teddy yard, yard definition. What DVDs can do that, that buddy? Just as well as Blu-rays, because well Blu they can be upscaled. I mean, how can you deny 
How can you possibly deny that DVDs are ultimately better than Blu-rays? Round 7. Round 7. Better cases. While we're at it, why don't we talk about the cases here, alright? So, so the case is a case of, first of all, let's just get this out of the water. Back, ultimately, a cooler color than blue. I mean, can't deny it, black better. Also, these look more like a book, you know? They kind of look more collectible. They're like something that you would put on a shelf like a book right there on the shape of a book. These, I, I don't even know what, what, what the shape of this it's just smaller. It's not as big here, so it doesn't take that much room on your shelf. It's got this thing up there. And you got thicker. Maybe you buy a new one. That it only scratches this top part here, and not the actual artwork or any of the plastic here. I mean, uh, that ruins the entire point of buying a new DVD and bending up this little part right here with your fingernail. I mean, that's one of the charms of DVDs right there. I mean, they're just, they're ruining everything. Blu-ray ruins everything about collecting movies. I just, I can't, I can't take it. I mean... I think I'm just going to get rid of my entire Blu-ray collection because this is just ridiculous. DVDs clearly are the superior format. And if you don't believe so, then you're just insane. DVD wins. Oh, are you serious? Ah, hang on a moment, you guys. Also... If you believed anything that I've said, or that I actually believe in anything that I've just said in this Sora, you're a moron. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, April Fools. Look, it's the date, man. This is serious. This is yo. Come on. No, I told. I, I I know I got somebody. I know I got somebody because there are actually people out there who believe this bull crap. I mean, for crying out loud. It blows my mind. How can you actually believe that this is superior to this? It's come one, come people. This is ultimately the superior format. I mean, really. It's, it's undeniable. It's absolutely undeniable. This is better. And for some of those... All of the grind to my gears. Keep the country Okay. Now, hey guys, Kevin, Richard here. You know what really grinds my gears? Racism. I mean, the only things that I am intolerant of are giant chickens and mint. I think there's two things that we can all agree on. Number one, we all need oxygen to breathe. And number two, 90% of Sean Paul's lyrics are indecipherable. And none no circumstances should you ever say any words like bad ones. Okay. I mean 
I mean, the only word that we drop on a daily basis on my house is nachos bel grande. Oh boy! Nachos bel grande! All kidding aside, I don't think racism is cool. It doesn't have a place in today's society. We're trying to be better as a people, and we'll never do that if if we can't get past the stupid thing called racism. It needs to end now. People get hurt every day because of it, and it's unacceptable. It's not acceptable in society, and I'm not down with any of that crap. So if you aren't down with racism... I'm not down with you. And that's what grinds my geese. Okay. Next. Chet! Woo! Oh. Living rich in here. You know what really grinds my geese? Exercise, diet, and fitness. I mean, first of all, I think they put the word die and diet for a reason. I mean, everything that tastes good is bad for you, like pizza and ice cream and all the good stuff. And what the heck is Carol? I mean, and what the heck is Kale? I mean, it ones would fail, and I can't taste very good. And I'm just kidding. I, I can eat anything. Anything. And that's what grinds my geese. Hey guys, Kevin Richard here. You know what really grinds my geese? For tonight. Let me, let me, what the heck, I'll shoot a guy like a thousand times and he shoots me back once and I die. Actually, I know I'm down with you and with like born with like a shield to possess. That's bullcrap. And then everybody wants you gonna freaking kill two towers at a time, you know, I feel more at home in Lonely Lodge. I feel like real life, I just sit in the Lonely Lodge and wait for the storm to take me. And then you can only give a squad of like three of your friends together because the fourth never wants to play. And it's like the rando that joins your group and you'll never you'll be the first one that dies because you know, goes to the same place, your squad dies, how many does your s some stupid maneuver? You could probably go to Tilted Towers to get shot immediately and then we have three people. Well, how about when you're up at the end of a cliff and you want to slide down, you think you can make it, but it's not actually too steep, and then you die. And you die because you fell. And then it's when I finally my turn to pick what town we're going to land, and all of a sudden every other player where the freaking game starts dropping in the same freaking town, I want that darn purple shotgun. You pressed it, and that's what grinds my gears. <laughs> Hey guys, Gavin Richard here. You know what really grinds my gears? Traffic. I mean, the unwritten rule about driving is that anyone driving faster than you is a maniac. Anyone driving slower is a moron. And then there's those people that will never let you merge onto a highway. It's like, oh, oh, I have to get there before you even know. It makes no difference. It makes no difference. Traffic ways. We're going 10 miles an hour. There's an accident two miles away. Where are you going? Just let me get 
I'm speaking of bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. There's always that guy who tries to merge in front of you, even though you're at a dead stop. It's like, oh, let me just spend the next 14 minutes with my blinkers, so this might make you uncomfortable while you're sitting in one spot. And let's not forget the maniac who's driving to the left lane on a three-lane highway, and they decide last minute, oh, I gotta get off at this exit and just peel across the entire highway, endangering the lives of everyone else. And then there's always that person who tries to bust an illegal U-turn and yeah, always causes an accident, usually teenager and... And last but not least, freaking old people. You shouldn't be driving old... Wait a minute. That's not... We are all created equal on this one, so... I didn't mean to say that. And that's what grinds my gears. Person of distinguished courage or... Hey guys, come. Hey guys, come Richard here. You know what really grinds my gears? Going to movies. I mean, one holiday get off, charging $14 for a freaking movie too. What the heck? I wonder why people pirate movies. And don't even get me started on the snack prices. I mean, you drop it at least $25-$30 if you want a soda and a popcorn, let alone you want one of those 50 things like a nacho or hot dog. Who the heck actually gets hot dogs in freaking movie theaters? I don't even get me started on the movie trailers. I mean, you gotta watch at least 20 minutes of straight movie trailers before the movie even comes on. You forget what the movie came on to see. It's freaking ridiculous. And then there's everybody becomes a mini-movie credit overnight. It's like, oh, okay, I saw three seconds of film. I was, I'm gonna judge the entire movie based on this. And then some of the trailers they give away always freaking movie. There's no point seeing anymore. Told me so much about this movie, I don't feel the need to see it anymore. And I buy time the movie's over, I always pay regardless if I get a favorite or not. They think I put subliminal messaging in the credits at the end of movies. It's like, get the heck out of this data. It's best you have to clean it up. And you always get to the bathroom and there's always a ridiculous line because everybody else has to pee too. And, and the bathroom is always, it's shoveled mess. That's what grinds my gears. Hey guys, Cameron Richard here. You know what really grinds my gears? Air travel. I mean, when you first get in the airport, it's always a show because the lines to get through security always, always interesting to say the least. If, I mean, everybody's taking their shoes off and the belts in it. They're standing the machine. They look like they're gonna get beamed up by Scotty, and and then you finally get through to TA gate, and, and you spend the next two hours sitting there staring at people you don't know, and paying for overpriced to check. I don't want you finally get on the plane. The freaking seats are so tiny, it's like weight human fits in this way. Literally, I think that airplanes have like vendetta against fat people, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I did not mean to offend anyone. No, that's what grinds my. Okay. What's up, everybody? It's a review I've been waiting for, Maroon 5's Red Pill Blues. Oh boy, presenting this review to you guys is gonna give me a big challenge, the challenge of actually having something to defend on. 
these guys now. These guys have had it pretty hard lately, to be honest. And where can we actually pinpoint this down? Well, starting in 1994, under the name Chorus Flowers, they released an alternative rock project that nobody really cared much about, but I also thought it was a great record. So go ahead and check out The Fourth World by Chorus Flowers. Awesome album. Plus, but now actually talking about Maroon 5 in general, they started with songs about Chain in 2002, a pretty monumental project with some really great singles that still hold up this day. Yeah, a lot of people just seem to love that album, and it won't be soon before long, which was the price for that album, wasn't as high as songs about Jade, but honestly, I would put out there some of the best on that album, and, I was, and honestly, it won't be soon before long, as excellent record to me, still love it to this day, it's a good jam to a lot of tunes, I never see your face again, it makes me wonder, which, which is, by the way, their first number one hit, I was like, wow, that song stopped at number one, I was like, that's awesome, and all the songs, like, not falling apart, but then, Moving on to Hands All Over, we started getting a little bit on the sticky situation with Adam. Either it was just his ego going through the roof, or I heard it because he really wasn't a fan of those sales numbers that record got because... I'm not sure, maybe their, maybe their brand of pop rock was getting stale. And that led to 2011's Moves Like Jagger. They really released off of Hands All Over's addition to add more sales, this monumental smash which is their second number one. Now, by the way, on Billboard was like everywhere on the summer of 2011, and rightfully so, it's a very catchy song. Even if you hate it, you still can't deny that hook's so catchy. It honestly started a little bit of a problem with some Rune 5 fans. When their sound drastically changed, a bit more popular, their next release, Overexposed, they say they confirmed the sound for Top 40 Radio. Definitely shows, especially now, Warm Again, there's new record, but... Honestly, their sound has definitely become a lot more popular even on this record. Here are Red Pill Blues, and yeah, how am I? This sound changes. Now, honestly, while I really wish the band would go back to, I don't know, playing instruments or something, yeah. To be fair, they actually, I do, I do hear a lot of the instruments at the core of these songs. Unfortunately, they are so drowned out in electronic that I can barely even decipher that there's a band here, honestly. When I heard the single What Lovers Do featuring SZA, it had a bit more of a rocky undertone to it. Of course, it wasn't like a genuine rock song. I wouldn't really call it rock, per se, but it does have its fair share of actual guitars. I got a guitar lick going on, especially in the chorus. That, like, and yeah, it was probably the closest thing to a rock in Maroon Farms. And you gotta get on this album. Yeah, the single came out. I was actually hoping they were gonna go for more of a rock vibe on this new album because I keep hearing they hit songs about Jay Roots. I'm just like, as soon as I saw that album cover, I was like, yeah. Um, yeah. Hang on a moment. Yeah, there's no way we're getting songs about Jay Maroon 5 here. Honestly, there's a part of me that feels like they just got so their eyes glued on chart success. And I mean, this album is nowhere near close to the songs about Jay and Maroon 5. But honestly, though, I think that's okay. Honestly, this album is really good. I really liked it again. And it, yeah, you're probably going to be like, what casual music listen out there? Because I know that the reception is pretty mixed. And some people hated this album. I mean, of course, some people liked a lot of people. But I will like it, but honestly, I do like it, honestly. The, the production on this album is pretty much the most basic Murder of Lives ever done. And it really worries me in a sense that uh, a lot on it, though a lot on this album, the production is so minimalist that I feel like, you know, these guys are just become irrelevant, sadly. 
Even I have to admit they got become irrelevant making this kind of music because I, I, I'm like, why? I'm sitting here just so baffled that I'm like, you know, I'm in a lot of Maroon 5 bands want these guys to actually use their instruments and I'm just like, if they could, I mean, that would probably be generating a lot to more album sales. So I'm sitting here thinking, well, yeah, I mean, they're gonna get top 40 hits like What Lovers Do, Cold, and Don't Wanna Know, which by the way, why is cold and I don't want to know save for the deluxe edition I'm so freaking with it but yeah they'll get top 40 hits but I'm just like as everyone else besides me as of course being a room 5 fan you gotta remember these songs I mean I just I don't get why their sound is so focused for a top 40 mainstream audience now me and Jeff it might sound actually like some of the stuff they go to I think it's a it's pretty decent instrumentally wise Honestly, what I really liked for a sec was this record. It's pretty much what this band has to now nowadays. It's Adam's voice. Adam's voice. I don't know what it is. It's so colorful when you need just pretty much the uniqueness. How nobody sounds like Animal in history. Adam Levine, which is actually my favorite singer, because, I mean, you know, his voice is unique. Even if you find him annoying, even if you find, like, his screechy high voice, which, by the way, he does use his mid-range a lot. It's now... There's not as much falsetto out there on, was on the, and honestly, I didn't mind the falsetto zombie, I was just saying if, I'm just saying if you were a hater on Adam Levine's falsetto on D, you probably don't have to worry about it out there, so it's falsetto on this record, only in a few cases, pretty much the chorus of the song was an example. There's the falsetto, it's coming here, what lovers do is also another example, also on the deluxe edition, don't wanna know is another example, but overall... In general, there's a lot more times where he just seems more low and just more chill and relaxed. Overall, this album has a more dark vibe to it. A lot of the songs just seemed in a world kind of depressing. Songs like Whiskey, probably the saddest song in the album. It's honestly, yeah, it's honestly a little bit on the emotional side and had instrumentation up and drowned out in electronics. Maybe this could have been like a really emotional track. Is this I do have the vocals and the trip vocals on the song. But I'm just saying, man, if they would actually just brought some rock elements like they did to that sweet ballad, Good Night, Good Night, this would have been, yo, this would have been like a real trigger jerker. But sadly, they don't, and I just can't get the same emotion out of the song. So I would like to, that's kind of sad, but anyways, I'm going all jumbled around the place. The album opens up with the song, Best For You. Yeah, we definitely start things off on a catchy, catchy start. Honestly, this album starts off really catchy with this song. It's a mid to up tempo song that I really like, honestly. The chorus is cool. I mean, of course, I mean, sick vocals sound great here. And it's got a decent hook. I wouldn't say it's one of the best hooks on the record. But I think, you know, it's decent enough of a hook, so overall, it's a great song. Then we spin into What Lovers Do. The song that I think has probably the best hook on this album, I can't get that song out of my head for real, like, no wonder they chose that as a single, because man, they definitely did a good job on that, and yeah, I like, it's, like I said, it's probably the rockiest song you're probably gonna get on this record, which honestly, yeah, if you were expecting Rock Moon 5 back on this album, you're definitely not gonna get your wish, this is probably, actually, this is more poppy, in my opinion. Then Overexposed, or Vive, because in those two albums you would hear well, not overexposed, like overexposed to me, because in those two records, 
you hear you would hear the your instruments just drowned out in a bunch of electronica like electronic glaze over the instruments to give some sort of poppy appeal but on this album i really can't hear much of the instruments on this record at all honestly a lot of the songs just feel either incredibly overly electrified like help me out with julia michaels honestly i do have the vocals on the song vocals on the song are great and the melody is pretty cool it's kind of basic sure but it's pretty cool it's got it's pretty much like electric guitar electronic electric guitar basically and it's got a cool vibe i mean i like and there's also a lot of liked rap and hip-hop percussion on this record on weight again for example and whiskey kind of has a hip-hop vibe it's got a sat it's got asap rocky on it so that's something and yeah overall i feel like on overexposed that we're trying to capitalize on the dance trend i think because that was what's popular and with V5, they were pretty much making, like, I don't know, making life. This, this summer pop music, summery pop music, and stuff just pop music. And then with this album, I feel like they're trying to cater to the hip-hop trends now because hip-hop's dominating the charts, and I just feel like they're sitting over there just thinking what kind of stuff can we make that will cater to the chart that will continue to get us radio playing. I feel like that's the only way they can stay relevant. I'm seeing just seeing here like you know with plenty of fans i'm like even in the top 40 doesn't recognize your song like oh harry styles we're actually making rap music i feel like these guys still might have a chance because how big of star adam levine is even if adam levine just went solo in a rock music i still like anyways no that wraps up my thoughts on red pill blues as a whole what do i think of it well honestly i like it honestly i really do i really think it is a solid pop album a lot of production is cool. I mean, it's pretty simple, really simplistic. A lot of the vibes like the song "Bit My Bite My Bit My Bet My Heart," which is a this simplistic acoustic ballad, and probably the closest I could get to genuine sounding instruments on this whole thing, with a lot of a lot of great vocal delivery, and it's a nice little touching song there. But in general, I really do like this record, though, even with a lot of electronic nitpicks. I do have with it; it still does hold up as a true bird five record for me although these guys have kind of lost their touch a little bit i still love them a lot in this record i'm making a very very light eight out of ten but a cautious recommendation because i know many people are not going to feel the way i feel about this record and yeah And, I mean, I can definitely see why pop production does sound very done for, and in some parts even a little dated, but I just can't get over how amazing Adam's voice is. It just, I don't know, it just clicks for me. And the production is solid, even though there's nothing wrong with production. It's just, I feel like the band could definitely do better than they would have provided here, because, but even still, Adam's voice still definitely rises these tunes up above the mediocrity that they provided. So, yeah. Although the band disappointed here, it's all about Adam anyway, so yeah. I enjoyed this though. Thank you for listening to the segment of Red Pill Blues by Maroon 5. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast for lots more. But also like, I don't know, another funny surprise segment since it's going to be a great podcast. More episode coming up, my guys, and a lot of videos coming soon. Thank you for listening. Now next up is a new... Now, here is a live performance of the Bob Dylan song, I Shall Be Free, number 10. 
and a one and the two and the here we go. Just gotta press play on my tape recorder here. I'm just average common too. I'm just like him, the same as you. I'm everybody's brother and son. I ain't different than anyone. They don't used to talk to me. It's just the same as talking to you. I was shadow boxing earlier in the day. I figured I was ready for Cassius Clay. I said, Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum, Cassius Clay, here I come. 26, 27, 28, 29, I'm gonna make your face look just like mine. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, Cassius Clay, you better run. 9, 100, 100, 100, 2, your mom won't even recognize you. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, gonna knock him clean right out of his spleen. Oh, I don't know, but I've been told the streets of heaven are lined with gold. I ask you how things could get much worse if the Russians happen to get up there first. Wowee, pretty scary. Now I'm liberal, but to a degree, I want everybody to be free. But if you think I'll let Barry Goldwater move in next door and marry my daughter, you must think I'm crazy. I wouldn't let him do it for all the farms in Cuba. Well, I set my monkey on a log. I ordered him to do the dog. He wagged his tail and shook his head. Then he went and did the cat instead. He's a weird monkey. Very funky. I sat with my high heel sneakers on, waiting to play tennis in the noonday sun. Then my shoulders rolled up past my waist, and my wig hat was falling in my face. Then he wouldn't let me on the tennis court. I got a woman, she's so mean, she sticks my boots in the washing machine, she sticks me with buckshot when I'm nude, puts bubblegum in my food, she's funny, wants my money, calls me honey. I got a friend who spends his life stabbing my picture with a bowie knife. Dreams of strangling me with a scarf. When my name comes up, he pretends to barf. I got a million friends. Now they asked me to meet a poem at the sorority sister's home. I got knocked over and my head was swimming. I wound up with a dean of women. Yippee! I'm a poet and I know it and I hope I don't blow it.
I'm gonna grow my hair down to my feet so strange So I look like a walking mountain range I'm gonna ride on Omaha on a horse Country, country club and the golf course County New York Times Beautiful holes blow their minds Now you're probably wondering by now just what this song is all about. What's probably got you baffled more is what this thing here is for. It's nothing. <laughs> it's something I learned over in England. Call the Orkin Army. Devotees, our subject today is food trucks. That's right, I'm talking about food prepared, cooked, and delivered in trucks. This historically goes way back to the Old West and the original chuck wagon. I can only assume the owner was a guy named Chuck, and Chuck would feed only cowboys, but they weren't cowboys after all. They would probably eat anything. They were out on the prairie for months at a time anyway. Chuck probably fed them whatever was handy on the dusty trail. Things like, you know, dust, dust soup, dust uh, kebabs, dust, uh, you know, there was probably some meat in there, probably some Swabian or Gila monsters, I don't know. Anyways, what I'm saying is, my point is, they ate it because they had to. Today, they had a choice. People were choosing to eat from a truck. Oh, sure. Started off innocently enough with well, tacos and hot dogs and hamburgers. And, and then an unhealthy sense of competition seemed to send it, and it all went crazy. Now you can eat all the kind of food you want. Vindaloo, Hungarian food, probably Transylvanian food too, and grilled cheese. There's a real cheese truck that gives you grilled cheese. There's even a peanut butter truck. A lobster truck, a pancake truck, a waffle truck, a teriyaki truck, a boba truck, a nacho truck, a Bollywood truck, a lemonade truck, a fried bread truck. Who's out there eating so much fried bread that it needs to be delivered specifically in a truck? Cheesecakes, cupcakes, donuts. I'm sure there's a Corona truck by now, but there isn't. There will be by the time I'm done finishing the sentence. It's becoming ridiculous. Two trucks, dress trucks, suit trucks, sidecots, haircut trucks. Where does it end? Anyway, my point is, you won't catch me eating anything that fell off the back of a truck. I'm just, I'll stick to good old-fashioned canned chili. Woo! The frozen tuna salad on a stick truck is here. Don't say next time. Bye-bye. It's time for Acnic Commentary. Because I have nothing better to do, and clearly neither do you. Welcome to Gracknick Commentary, the only place on the internet where my opinion is more important than yours. Well, because it's my show, so deal with it. Today's topic was supposed to be about one of my friends with a mixer. So there! What does the platypus say? Oh, it does that word gurgling thing. What does the fox say? Who cares? What do I say? Well, I say cosplay, which in Druselstein or anywhere else means too much time on your hands in but America. Christmas stuff, don't believe me, just ask the fox. It'll say, I don't know what it'll say. No one knows what it'll say. That's probably why they wrote that song, I guess. It seems a little bit rhetorical to me, like why is the sky green? Or, or how many woodchucks would chuck wood if all these woodchucks were named Chuck? 
Is that how it goes? I think that's how it goes. Cosplay. Not to be confused with Cosplay, the game where multinational banks make cost projections for the upcoming fiscal year, or Copsplay, where police officers dress up as other police officers in Cosplay, which is where a young person doing laundry for so long that they're forced to make their own clothes out of foam, core, and cardboard are just long enough to inspire disappointment in their parents. The term cosplay is a portmanteau. 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 Or, or, manatee. It's, it's a combination of two words, like costume and a play become cosplay. Sand and a witch merge to become a hoagie. My favorite thing about cosplay is people dressing up as fictional characters, like like Dr. Fish or Abraham Lincoln, or that a guy from an obscure TV show that I know and you don't, which makes me better than you. You know, like most things, I was ahead of the curve. I adopted cosplay before it was really in the zeitgeist. I didn't need Nordic musical comedy troops to tell me how much fun it is to dress up like a fox in Eurodance in the woods, which I was doing that just by myself, which is, well, it's kind of sad. Time for Acnet Commentary. Oh, hello there. Welcome to another blah 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 blah. Today we're going to watch me talk because that's really what this is all about. Listen to me talk. So the other day, a brother, you know, is on his mother's eyes with my credit card, which I can't actually. It's it's her mother's credit card too, because it's it's got a higher limit. Anyway, one of my friend Crystal Bearclose sent me this link on YouTube, which is where I do most of my web browsing because I'm gonna do a whole lot of web buying. I'm mostly looking at things that I can't buy, like other people's cats, intact, and love. But the other day, I noticed there's a real preoccupation with documenting all the ways you can shake your money baker, like you know, dancing. Hoofing, clogging, flogging, frogging, pizzaing, moshing, lindy hopping, swinging. Which, there's all these new ings too, like planking and Harlem shaking and working with an E. Ah, that takes me back. When I was young, there was this whole hullabaloo over this thing called zooking. And all these people were zooking over here and zooking over there. And involved six geese and a lot of broccoli. I never got into zooking myself. But I had a few friends that did. No, that's a lie. I didn't have any friends. And I still don't, I don't get out much. I'm by myself a lot with a lot of time on my hands, which is how I invented acne-king. That's right, it's a new thing I invented. I want everyone to do it. And then give me the credit of the, so I can become famous, or you know, internet famous, which is almost as good. In order to start doofing, all you need is some plastic scent food containers with lids, and then get some shoes that are like two sizes too small, this is important, and then get a bologna sandwich. You know, a sandwich, not a sammock, which is usual stimulant for an overcoat, and nobody wants to see you in a coat made out of meat. I'm talking to you, Lady Antebellum. And then, suddenly, sandwiching in your hand, you're acting. Now get out there and check the thing that I just gave you and film it and then post it onto YouTube and it'll be a thing. I am with you. It'll be our thing. It'll be mostly mine. But mostly mine. Back in the commentaries and copyright right trademark. Me. Not really.
if you use the internet, then of course, how are you looking at me? If you use the internet, you probably see a lot of online ads, because the internet runs on advertising, pretty much how, like, toddlers run on Gogurt and platypuses run on. I really hating evil scientists. But, but if you're waiting for me to get to what I hate, which I know my audience, you are, something called search advertising. Let's say you want to learn about your favorite subject, so you go online and you search for magnet commentary, and you'll see things like my Apple podcast page, and also me-related things that they you know, have, like, like acne commentary t-shirts, hoodies, and onesies, a great present for babies, and a comfortable jam set, or my, un- or my album, Mookie, a lot of people never know I put that out, or, or, or my new men's fragrance line, Eternity, Eternity. All things which under this understands you want because you searched for my podcast. The only problem with search for advertising is that you search for things because you actually dislike them. And the internet can't tell the difference, so you get ads for them anyways. For example, I had a bit of an ant problem because a few weeks ago, because a few years ago, I was eating a proner and I just remembered that the season finale of Mixels was on and I dropped it on the floor, forgetting about it completely. The next thing you know, ants all over the place. So I went to my troubles and search, how do I get rid of ants? Suddenly I'm being bombarded with ants of things that you would only want if you liked ants, like ant farms and chocolate covered ants. It's something called Ant Daily, like which is what is what's going on in the whole world that Ant Daily that there's a representation. There's something called what is changing the world so rapidly that the form of ants that a daily publication is required to cover it. Hey internet, I came to you because I wanted fewer ants in my life, not because I'm some ant fanatic. Or I guess it would be fanantic. You know, it's fanantic. See, see what I. Anyway, you don't know me. You know, at least know me better, internet, or I will be forced to purchase nothing from you in protest of your not knowing me. Except for, you know, the ant farm, because I had a chance to watch these for a while. I do think ants are pretty neat. Like, did you know they can carry up to, like, a hundred times your own weight? How did they you know, pump into each other when they're milling around so much? How does anyone... Ah. Maybe I'll just find out when my next issue of Ant Daily arrives. Can't wait. Okay, so I was reading the YouTube comments for my show, you know, like, looking desperately for comments like you do, and I got a comment from Michaela Bafal. I don't know, the P is silent in me, it might just be Ball, but it might be decided, you know, it's Michaela left me this comment, and then her mom, ooh, I'm, I don't know if it's her mom, it might be his mom, might not even pronounce Michaela, which sounds a lot like a girl's name, it might be some cool exotic foreign name, or pronounce Mikala or Mike Ayla. Uh, our mom is a real exotic name. Sasa. Sasa. That's lovely. Flows off the tongue like a desert wind. Like a... No, it's Susan. Which is a really name. It's just, you know, not as easy. So, Shaquille also commented. If you look inside of me, that's why I'm posted this. In response. Mikala Buffalo. 
Jack Ma. So Michaela Ma. I read her post. And that was kind of profound. It might be a great song. Okay, I'm going to try something. Something important to ask you. Are you ready for this? Troll alone, alone. Sorry, I just needed to say that. Now on to the question. Why don't you like my little pony? It's the best bag of psychopathic bubble tea. And it's your face. Seriously? Answer this. Insert your face. A serious answer. And then her mom gets on and she says, Michaela, before get off this posting and stay out, Google chat. Mom, just mom. No love, mom. Just mom. One word, like, like Madonna. Thanks, Michaela. Hope you don't get busted next time. Welcome to today's edition of Active Commentary. This time, I'm not going to give you dirt so much, I'm going to give you cold hard facts, which may be hard to accept, but, but that's when you know they're not easy facts, they're, they're hard facts. Okay, hard fact number one, Neil Patrick Harris is an evil scientist. So there's this thing called the Tony Awards show, you might have heard of it, it keeps people who sing and dance on Broadway, and hosted the show this year was none other than my colleague. Neil Patrick Harris and his extremely over-the-top opening numbers now all over the internet. It's quite spectacular, truth be told, but you're probably wondering like everyone else. How did he do it? He did it exactly the way I would have done it. He used his evil weirdo skills. Don't believe me? Neil Patrick Harris is what we think is called a quadruple threat. He can sing, he can dance, he can act, and he can emit. That's what he seems to want to keep secret, so I'm here to expose all his tricks. Leaking classified information as it were. So why would I want to expose another evil scientist he has? Well, you know, spite. That's basically how I do most things. You guys really shouldn't have figured this out on your own. You shouldn't even need me to tell you this. I mean, look at the clues. For one thing, the Tony opening is like seven minutes long, and it's pretty much all Neil telling the audience, that he's gonna host the show. He's gonna take over the show. That that that's an evil monologue. Dump it in like three seconds. That was a costume changer. I shouldn't have made that. One second he was on stage. Four seconds later he was way in the back in the audience. That was really 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 fast. Which I was impressed by that one myself. He's in shape. I don't know what's that. He's fit. 
This, this is big Tony thing. This gives him a a standing ovation for like a whole minute. So come on, think, worship him and adore him for being gratitude for being so entertained, or or being controlled by a don't sit in your chair aid. He's calling himself Doctor Doctor Doogie Hauser. Doctor Horrible. Doctor Ego is named Doctor Horrible. Hello. So anyway, the New scientists who guess they're going to be hiring to us next year. Impressive podcast. He's handsome and funny and talented enough to host his own. Obviously, I am talking about Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, he does a really good job. I salute you, Doctor Horrible. Now before we go, nothing, uh, wait, what? I'm supposed to what? Oh man, I blew it this time. Hey guys, welcome back to Acnic Commentary. And we are going to be doing commentary on... Be sure to send us a voice message and we'll be sure to respond to you. Don't be shy, go ahead. You gotta do it. Now, before we begin this commentary, we just want to let you know that sound noises may appear in this episode, just like, you know, how it usually is in a can. And I need to be supervised like other people. Anyways, just so you know, enjoy. So, um, we're going to start this episode real nice and short. And today, okay, before you guys start rambling on about everything, I'm just letting you know this now. Okay, guys, before we start, I just wanted to clarify to you all that I don't have, that this is going to be shorter because I, I don't have much time. I, I can explain everything, but I'm just going to let you know, I'm just letting you know this now so that way um, it's not going to be, you know, a big problem because I'm pretty popular. I have my own Google Images account and stuff like that, but you will understand once you're older. Welcome to... So Burger King Whoppers are still around today. What I'm starting to get from Burger King is that it's really ridiculous because of the Burger King. So we are here with another fast food restaurant topic. So recently, like in 2013, I think people were complaining about the Subway footlong thing. Like everyone was arguing about them. And because they're not actually 12 feet long. Because that's how long a foot is. 12 inches is a foot. Each 12 inches is a foot. So anyway, it wasn't foot-long subs were not. And so then Subway finally responded with with the fact that they were called foot-longs just to make it a little bit attractive. Not because, because it seemed longer. The other ones are like six feet, pretty much half of what it was actually called. So here we go. So let me just pull. Alright, so that's the end of Acnic Commentary's newest episode, my cover of Steamed Hams. So, that's everything. Now I gotta go. The bus is... We're about to leave school. Yay! Alright, so next on our list, we are going to talk about... Um, let's see. What do we have that we're going to... Just a moment... 
So the pro there's some other. Just give me a moment, please. Lastly, before we go, we're going to do the top 12 reasons 2020 will be an awesome year. Probably an awesome decade, really. So number number 12, a $1,000 computer will have the processing power of a human brain. All right. Welcome to our... Other next newest episode of Acnic Commentary. Now I know I said in the last episode that I made a new album and a new single that I'm putting in it, and I think I put it in, but it's not completely in there. It has I haven't uploaded the music video for it yet. Welcome to our newest episode of Acnic Commentary. Now I know I said in the last episode, but what's happening today? But what's happening today? Well, a lot of people are appreciating Kobe Bryant for sure. All right, here are the 19 craziest Pepsi flavors that actually existed. All right, so let's get started. First up is Pepsi Mont Blanc. And finally, the last commercial that was ridiculous the Amazon commercial, like, what did people... Thanks for listening to Acnic Commentary. Come on tomorrow, or sometime at all, to listen to more. Okay, guys, just like I told you in the last episode, there will I will not be recording any episodes or and or releasing them tomorrow at all, because apparently we're not going to have school. So please enjoy this. And as always... Have you ever wondered why Hershey's made a Jolly Rancher flavored cereal? Well, screw you and kiss goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye, folks. I'll tell you more of the bonus features later. There will be a part two of this, of my bonus features, because I don't have enough time anyway. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Welcome to Acnic Commentary. Welcome to Acnic Commentary, and today we're going to talk about some crazy fast food facts you must know. First, Subway was sued for short sand. Oh, sorry, got interrupted there. Anyways, Panera Bread once sued Qdoba, which is a Mexican restaurant, because they agreed that burritos are sandwich. Argued that burritos are sandwiches. Well, they are, but they are just different. Listen. Panera Bread and Qdoba. I understand that you guys are arguing that burritos are sandwiches. You make bread, Qdoba, you make Mexican stuff, but just come on. Just, just agree that burritos are sandwiches. All right, so about that message. This is a message to my dad. Happy birthday, dad. You're 30. Yes, February 12th is his birthday. He's 37 years old, and I... Yeah, he's getting pretty big, and I understand thoroughly that he's getting pretty huge. So, yeah, happy birthday, Dad. Another 37 years. Here's to another 37 years of your life. And, yeah, I love you. So, good talk. Hey, guys, my name is Gavin, and welcome back to Acnic Commentary. And today, I just want to tell you all that it's... All right. So, yeah, thanks for listening. This is... This was meant for you, my dad. Don't worry about it, and that's gonna be... You deserve this, Nati.
Because what do you call a pony with a sore throat? A little horse. And a, some guy that's a little horse is a spaghetto. That's a, someone who lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches as a nervous wreck. So you can call someone hungry if they say they're hungry. And you can feel a little eel just having seafood. And 1023MB has never gotten a gig yet. And that one makes sense because apparently MB means megabytes. But I don't think that really applies to the subject. All right, we're going to do this easy, fast. Hello, guys, and welcome back to Acnic Commentary from President's Day. How's your President's Day? Did you... Did you celebrate one of the President's Day's birthdays? Well, actually, President's Day is about, like, Washington's birthday. President's Day is when it's Washington's birthday. Welcome to Acnic Commentary, and, and yesterday was Washington's birthday, February 4th, Washington was born on just, it was just, he just had his, uh, I don't know what President's Day is supposed to be like. So anyways, welcome to Acnic Commentary. In this episode, it's going to be like a real podcast because we have a special guest with us. Please welcome from Devious Diesel for Hire, none other than the man who who is rude to customers and gets fired all the time, and he's saving his money for a new computer, Devious Diesel. Hello. My name is Devious Diesel. You might know that already. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. I mean, it's been a long time for some reason. Thank you. So, so I've been one. So, yeah. So, yeah, this is him. So what are you thinking of working at next? I mean, I don't really think you're going to have any other jobs because you're totally thinking about working at another job. And I mean, sure, there's a lot more going on, but you got to know that. I'm so low on money. I really want to buy myself a new computer because my old one is so slow. But how can I earn money? Wait. Hey guys, before we start this episode, I just want to tell you that this episode will be really, really short because I didn't have that much time to get assembled for this podcast. I didn't want to get like, you know, all riled up on everything, you know, the same crap all the time. So I'm just letting you know this now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Acnic Commentary. See us see us next time at anchor.fm slash acnic or wherever you find your podcasts. See you later.